Thanks to Slack for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to slack.com to learn more. It's Tuesday, July 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Rule Breakers, Ryan Reeves, and from Hidden Gems, Anish Susarla. Guys, thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem. Thanks Thank for you. Us. Earnings Palooza is starting to heat up. Before we do that, though, late breaking news, which I will just touch on for a moment. Uh, and we'll probably, maybe we will dig into this later in the week on Market Foolery, maybe not. Uh, Chipotle had another incident, this time pretty close to Full HQ, actually, in Sterling, Virginia. Uh, and I'll just read directly from uh, the report in front of me. Chipotle has shut down a restaurant in Sterling, Virginia. After multiple reports of customers getting sick after eating there, and not surprisingly, shares of Chipotle down more than six percent. Um, Jim Mardson, who is Chipotle's executive director of food safety, I like the way his statement begins. We're working with health authorities to understand what the cause may be and to resolve the situation as quickly as possible. That's good from a communication standpoint, particularly with Chipotle's history. That's good. He follows that by saying, the reported symptoms are consistent with norovirus. Norovirus does not come from our food supply, and it is safe to eat at Chipotle. No, Jim, it's apparently not. If it were safe, you wouldn't be closing your restaurant in Sterling. So, anyway, we will keep an eye on that story as it evolves. Let's get to the earnings reports, and we'll start with Netflix. Holy cow, up 12% this morning. They're hitting a new high. Uh, Ryan, on yesterday's episode, Jason Moser, when I asked him what's one thing to watch with Netflix's earnings, he said, "Look at the subscribers. They were guiding for 3.2. Came in a little higher. Came in a little bit higher for sure. So subscribers came in at 5.2 million. So they had originally guided for 630,000 in the U.S. and 2.6 million for international. However, it came in at 1.1 for U.S. and over 4 million for international. So the very first line of the Netflix letter to shareholders read, Our streaming membership grew more than expected, from $99 million to $104 million due to our amazing content. <laughs> I just loved that little line, amazing content. It's not biased at all, and it clearly <laughs> has been amazing, because 2 million more net subscribers, um, sure good news for Netflix shareholders. You know what? Reed Hastings and his team, they can afford to take a victory lap. When you put, you know... It's like they say in sports, winning cures everything. It's the same thing with investing. I mean, if you're if you're <laughs> if you're putting up these kind of numbers, you can take a little victory lap. Yes? Right. So the really key metric in this industry is the net added subscribers and Netflix coming in strong on those numbers really show that demand for the service internationally is remaining pretty strong, pretty strong, especially with uh, the new content that's come out with the previous quarter, including 13 Reasons Why, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, just really shows that the content they're producing is still remaining popular with consumers. And one thing that's interesting is in the letter as well, they were guiding for negative two billion to negative two and a half billion of cash flow in 2017. And when you look at that initially, it's kind of scary. Two billion uh, negative cash flow. However, Reed Hastings near the end of that letter said, in a sense, negative free cash flow will be an indicator of enormous success. And I thought that was super interesting. It reminded me of the great cable baron John Malone, how especially when interest rates are low, if you can borrow 
money for not too much, and your return on that is essentially higher than the amount or the cost that it it's costing you to borrow, then your net present value, your value essentially trends towards infinity. So essentially, I'm sure Netflix is seeing the success in this content, and they're just investing enormously in it. It, it, it absolutely makes sense, although I, I think you're right. That free cash flow, if anything in the report is going to give an investor, even a dedicated shareholder, and at the Motley Fool, I mean, Netflix is, has been a recommendation of our services for a long time. So, uh, people who have held on, even through the whole Quickster debacle, have done really well. The free cash flow number is maybe the only thing that you can sort of look at and go, whew, because when you think about competing streaming services like Amazon has, like Google is trying to do with YouTube, um, free cash flow is not an issue for either of those companies. Um, and so, long term, that, that could become a detriment, but for right now, they're in good shape. I think that part of the equation is also that they're just investing a lot in their content, kind of that often cited number is the $6 billion that they were planning to spend in 2017 on producing new content. And that really does seem to uh, pay off as they received 91 Emmy nominations re- recently, only behind uh, HBO. And so their shows are critically acclaimed. And as long as they continue to pull subscribers in, I think it'll be a long term payoff, especially in their international segment. Uh, you talk about the investment in content. One other thing that they are starting to invest in, and I think this is. It goes hand in hand with investing in the content. They are starting to invest in promoting the content, particularly outside the United States. Um, one of the podcasts I listen to is Mark Marin's podcast, um, and he has talked recently about d- doing press junkets in the same way that movie studios do press junkets. Uh, he's in a, a new Netflix series uh, called Glow. Uh, which is about uh, lady, the, the gorgeous ladies of, of wrestling, and um, talking about going overseas and promoting that, and uh, that's, and that's one of those things. There's an old adage that applies to politics that I, I knew it first from politics, but it applies very much to business as well. Which is, if you want to know what someone's priorities are, look at where they're spending their money. And so the fact that Netflix is investing in the content and saying, you know what, let's promote this in a big way outside the U.S. Um, maybe not all that surprising, Ryan, that they're putting up such a beat, not just domestically but internationally. That's a big beat. Yeah, exactly. They saw a little bit of market saturation in the U.S., so I think the natural progression was to go international for sure. And something that's interesting, uh, the very last letter. Um, of the shareholder letter said, someday we hope to entertain everyone. So I think internationally is definitely the move. Yeah, so just touching on that point that Ryan mentioned, uh, Netflix is already in 50 million of 100 million households in the United States domestically. So really key sources for growth are going to be internationally. And I think eventually they're looking to get to a point where 50% of the content on Netflix by 2020 wants to be in-house produced. So Netflix originals and Netflix movie content. All right, let's move on to Select Comfort. Uh, Their second quarter results were not Great. They were light on revenue. They reported a loss when it was expected that they would report a profit. And I'm wondering, Anish, why is this stock basically flat today? This this seems like the kind of report that would send the the stock down more than just a, a couple tenths of a percent. 
Yeah, so if you had woke up this morning not knowing what happened after hours yesterday on Slack Comfort, you would have seen pretty much it's relatively flat today. But for a brief period, shares were down 15% on the news that the company reported a quarterly loss of $0.02 cents per share. And they also missed their revenue estimates by $16 million. But if we really dig deeper into the numbers, the company actually had an inventory shortage in the last week, causing $25 million of inventory that couldn't be recognized in the second quarter and is instead being bumped up to the third quarter. So, interestingly enough, if these had been on the second quarter, the company would have beat revenue estimates. So, I think investors, after looking to the details, kind of saw that it was an initial overreaction and that the demand for their new product, the Sleep Number 360, still remains pretty high. And especially, this company is known for being pretty volatile around earnings reports. And after it surged pretty uh, handily, uh, beating earnings the first quarter, uh, and after uh, missing earnings the previous two quarters, I think the investors are looking for some good news and some positive uh, feedback on the company. So, you mentioned the, the sleep number 360. This is a new bed that they're, that they're producing? Yeah. So, the sleep number 360, they're kind of uh, advertising as a revolutionary new product that adjusts real-time in firmness to how much you move in your bed and really your restlessness. So, the aim of this is to get uh, customers a new product that really adjusts in real time to their preferences. It sounds like one more step closer to the rise in the machines. If my bed is so smart that it's reacting to me as I sleep, I don't know. Maybe I'm sleeping better, but maybe it's also giving me nightmares. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. hope they mentioned the buzzwords artificial intelligence and machine learning in the beds, because that seems like all the executives are inserting. Did they? Those no, I, I. It seems like it would be right for that. <laughs> Funnily enough, uh, the uh, CEO of the company before uh, earnings calls uh, mentions her sleep IQ score for the previous nights. So that's always interesting to see, and just how technology is being integrated in the things we use every day. <laughs> I, I, that's one of those things. I kind of like that, and I kind of don't like that. Like, I, in the same way that Netflix leads off by saying, "Hey, we've got amazing content." It's like, you know what? Take a little victory lap. And and with Zillow, they talk about the Zestimate. They're sticking. You know, hey, fine. You want to stick with your own brand? That's great. I don't know. Do I need to know the CEO's sleep IQ number? I, ah, I don't know. Just one last thing I think worth mentioning is that the company is actually rebranding itself uh, to under its main product, Sleep Number. So that's how its stores are being branded and known today by its main product. So the company has decided to unify under that single brand. So they're changing the name from Select Comfort to Sleep Number. Right. Are they? They're not changing their ticker symbol, are they? No, they're not. I, I like that move. I think that makes sense. I mean, if they're because if you just I don't know you just sort of ask someone what if someone doesn't know the mm -hmm. business select comfort is not necessarily something that speaks to sleep per se whereas sleep number if the branding is that good then yeah go for it right I think it's just a simple move uh, get you know you should be named what your customers know you by and uh, it's a good positive move for the company all right let's move on to United Health. Second quarter profits came in higher than expected. They raised guidance for the full fiscal year. Ryan, this is like Select Comfort, but in reverse. This is that's the one-two punch we like to see. And shares of United Health are down a little bit today. What? Why the pessimism? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, of course, management came out and said they want to see the health insurance tax cut and all that. So I think sort of the reason why investors didn't react. Um, 
too certainly is because of this uncertainty in the healthcare environment. Uh, nobody can really see into the future what the Republicans are going to do in the legislation that they can pass. So I really think it's kind of like in this no man's land period where investors aren't really sure what to make of it. Uh, management did say in 2018 they were going to act like the health insurance tax is still going to stay. So they're really just preparing for the future. One interesting thing was that there's a little bit of change up in management. So they're going to a new CEO, Steve Nelson, who he was running the Medicare and retirement portion of the business. And then the current CEO, Dave Schumacher, is going to be the president. Um, an analyst asked them, actually, like, what's the big deal with this management change up? And they said, no real reason, just the business evolves over time and we feel this is right. Um, so I don't think it's anything, investors might be interested in that, but I don't think it's re- the real reason it's flat. I think it's more the uncertainty in this environment. Well, and you look at shares of United Health; they're up a little bit more than thirty percent over the last year. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's me just being greedy. Although I don't own shares of the company, but uh, I, I, no real reason. That's I don't know. That's I, I'm not saying there's something nefarious going on, but it's like, come on, there's there's got to be. You don't make a management shift of that elevation unless there's something going on there. But it may just be, hey, we we think this is the best move for the company. Yeah, he really, the guy in the conference call really just said it straight out, like, oh, it's kind of, just we feel this is the right move. And I I'm think bo- the analyst I'm was a little thrown off. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, it doesn't seem like there's, who's to say? It doesn't seem like there's a huge reason right now, though. All right, before we keep going, got to say thanks to Slack for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Slack is a messaging app that brings together all your team's communications in one place, and it makes your work life simpler and more productive. Slack connects the tools and services you need in one place and allows you to organize your team with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives, all in one easy-to-use app. We were using Slack, the three of us, this morning as we were sort of batting around what we were going to talk about today. We've been using Slack at The Motley Fool for years, and it's been fantastic in terms of increasing productivity and cutting down on internal email substantially. Uh, Also, with Slack, you can drag and drop file sharing that works with all of the apps you already use, like Dropbox, Google Drive, Trello. You can tailor Slack to work with over 900 apps. And with mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly, you can always pick up where you left off, no matter where you are. Slack, where work happens. Find out why at slack.com. Uh, all right, before we wrap up today, as I said at the, at the start, Earnings Palooza is starting to heat up, but we have so many more companies to report. Um, Ryan, I'll just start with you. What is a company you're curious about this earnings season? What's something you're going to be looking for? Yeah, so I'm really interested in how Shopify is going to do in their latest quarter. Um, last quarter, the top line grew over 70%, and actually 68% of that came from subscribers, and over 92% from the merchant solutions. So I'm really interested in to see how that merchant solutions top line will grow, um, because Shopify payments is doing amazing, and the overall stock is actually up over. 187% in the past year. So almost a three bagger in the past year alone. So it'll be interesting to see. Management actually stopped breaking out how many new customers they added last quarter. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the revenue growth and subscribers and to see if you can kind of tell how much of that is upsells versus new customers. So I'm really going to be interested to see. Um, 
I think the stock is going to move big either way, just because of this run-up and just the high flyer that it is. Anish, what about you? So, I've been tracking PayPal pretty closely. They uh, report earnings next uh, week. And so, just looking at the past quarterly results for PayPal, so they reported 6 million new uh, active accounts, which was up from 33% a year ago. And uh, really, the key metric that we look to in this industry is the total uh, transaction volume. So, for the first quarter, it was $99 billion, which was up 25% from the previous reporting period. So, I really want to see how far PayPal can stretch this number, considering uh, it faces increasing competition from Apple Pay and Google Wallet. Um, I, in my just experience, I've been using Apple Pay quite often at the office to CVS. So, really, I want to see how PayPal is able to monetize its uh, subsidiaries like Venmo and Zoom, and where its opportunities lie to continue making money in the future. Okay. Uh, before we wrap up today, for those who are Longtime listeners who are like, wait a minute, who who are these guys? I've been listening for years and I've never heard these guys before. Uh, Ryan and Anish have been interning with us this summer. They've been working with the investing group. Ryan, you are heading into your final year at Pepperdine. Yes, sir. Go waves. Go waves. Ao waves. <laughs> Ao waves. Is <laughs> that what is that what we chant at thing. athletic you put, events? You put your hand up. Yeah, little. And little. you're studying what? I'm studying business administration finance. Okay. And so a year from now you're going to be where? Wall Street? Some some high paying job? <laughs> Good question. Maybe the fool. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be hiring by then. <laughs> Anish, what about you? You're at UVA. Yep. So I'm going to be a second year at UVA studying math and finance. Um, pretty interested in quantitative finance and uh, analyzing companies. So we'll see where that takes me. All right. Well, um, uh, everything I hear about the work you guys have been doing this summer has been just aces. So, um, so thanks for all your effort and uh, stay foolish. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so much, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, guys. That was great. Awesome. Sweet.